you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the, world. in the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, folks. It's Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com. Thechrisvossshow.com. Oh, we'll let the She does such a better job than I do. So, thank you very much, Iron Lady. We certainly appreciate you. Making your contributions today. Thanks to you, my audience. You know, we're putting forward three to four shows a day. I think it's actually slowing down now over the holidays. Not a lot of people want to be interviewed, and they they just want to go hang out with their families and uh, hang out with Uncle Bill, who usually smells, brings up political things, and uh, and hugs way too long. Everyone's got that uncle, don't they? Something like that. But then they could be on this show. So what's going on there? But we'll have a lot of great shows coming up after the uh, next year. People on YouTube 10 years from now are like, what is he talking about? It's May. And we have CES show 2024. In fact, we'll have our annual Titan on the show, who's the head of CES CTA Tech who puts the CES show on every year, my good friend uh, Gary Shapiro. I think he's on next week around the 1st and uh, or maybe he's just next week on Wednesday. Prior to the first, I think. So we're going to have him on. We're going to be talking about CES show and all those. You know, you've seen me do all the CES uh, interviews with CEOs and all that great stuff. So stay tuned for that. We have an amazing author on the show. She's written her latest book that came out May 13th, 2023, called Disempowered, How I Turned an Academic Death Sentence into My Life's Greatest Adventure. Ellen Bush joins us on the show today. She's going to be talking about her latest work and how she pulled off the story that she's written about and how she's going to inspire you to do better with all of her stories that she can share with you and improve the quality of your life. At an early stage, Ellen Bush was diagnosed with dyslexia and as a result was given an academic death sentence. In a split second, her self-esteem was destroyed and her potential evaporated. Despite her challenges, or in spite of them, Ellen's parents fostered her education outside the classroom by teaching her how to pilot her father's boat, how to navigate, understand, and respect the ocean. You have to respect the ocean because I've seen that, that North Sea. They enabled Ellen to participate in team sports and to go on a two-week Outward Bound program and made it possible to get certified in scuba diving at the age of 17. As a young adult, becoming an expert skier and ski instructor, she fell in love with adventure and the challenges that it brought. Mastering these skills enabled Ellen to persevere and empowered her to earn both a bachelor's and master's degree, all with dyslexia. Welcome to the show, Ellen. How are you? I'm great, and I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you. And we're thrilled to have you. This sounds like an amazing story, Overcoming Adversity, which we love, these mm-hmm. stories. Give us your dot-coms. Where can people find you on the interwebs? Sure. So my website is ellenbush.com, mm-hmm. and that's B-U-S-C-H. I always say, like the beer, not the president. <laughs> there you go. In fact, I think we had one of the Anheuser-Busch family members on the show on a book about the story of Anheuser-Busch. I think it was Billy Bush. Okay. Or am I thinking Billy Bush? Am I thinking of 
something else. Isn't that a president's brother or something? Carter's brother or something? I don't know. Billy Carter, maybe. <laughs> but no, we, we had those on. So I don't know. You may want to hit them up. There might be some money there from the family tree. There you go. Um, there you go. That <laughs> in Germany is as common as Smith. Oh, is it really? It's there you very, go. very common. So. My understanding is Voss is pretty common over there, too. We're both, we're both a bunch of Germans sitting around, but uh, there you go. Tell us what motivated you to write this book in your words. We kind of have alluded to it a bit, but people like to hear it from you. So I talk about this in depth in the book. There was a very difficult year that I had where I escaped from an abusive ex-husband, started to put my life back together, began the divorce process, reconnected with an old boyfriend who was very important in my healing process. Mm. And also, and then lost my mother in a tragic accident, all in the span of 10 months. Wow. That's a lot of hits to take all at once. It is. It mm-hmm. is. And I continued to move forward and heal and recover and rebuild my life and eventually began to learn to thrive. And when I started to look back on that, I realized I had a really important story to tell. There you go. And so you sat down, wrote the book. Did you write it over COVID? No, I actually started writing it about four years, five years ago. Oh. And what I didn't understand at the time was that I had a lot more chapters to live before Mm -hmm. the book could be finished. So the fact that it took so long was really what it was supposed to be. I'm using that for my, my next book because I'm like taking forever to write it. So I'm just going to be like, I, I have to live some more chapters. That's what I'm going to tell my oh, my uh, contract. <laughs> well, I wasn't doing it with a contract, so I didn't have that pressure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a contract. Tell us your, uh, tell us, give us a little bit more details of what's inside. You tell your story of growing up, finding out you have dyslexia. I noticed the people, when you're Googling this book, disempowered there's a parenthesis around the word dis yeah give us a rundown as to why you did that titled it that and insight well i actually didn't come up with the title my friend did Mm. and uh, i moved from a very disempowered place to a very empowered place so Mm. the dis on the cover is actually scribbled out Mm. so the parentheses means it's not you know it's taken out there you go so sans the dis tell us about your growing up you mm-hmm. you go through this thing where you find out you're dyslexic and you know what were your aspirations before that did you plan on going to college did you want to be i don't know maybe a writer or something literary sure. that... well i was diagnosed at a very early age i was about six years old okay so college wasn't in my mind at that point and I was immediately put into another category of people of students who were going to be unsuccessful. Oh wow. So they slapped you right into the yeah, this mm-hmm. is going nowhere. Yeah, yes. don't bother. Exactly. In fact, there was a parent teacher conference wow. and my parents told me about this almost word for word or from their memory the day I earned my master's degree. Mm-hmm. And in that parent teacher conference, I was six years old and they The administrator sat my parents down and told them I would not go to college. I might finish high school. College was out of the question. They should focus on finding me a husband to take care of me because I would not be contributing to society. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty awful. And I lived in Westchester County, New York, 
and went to a pr- one of the most affluent schools in that part of the country. And that was just the belief system that was in place at the time. And unfortunately, some of that belief is, system is still in place. Dyslexia is often perceived as an intellectual disability. Hmm. And it's not. We just learn differently. The system doesn't fit us. Yeah. System doesn't feel, fit a lot of people. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I'm a tactile learner. You, if you give me something to do, I'll do it. If you if you put on a drawing board and bark at me, I just my brain just turns to jello and I just glaze over. And uh, so, yeah, everyone has different, you know, there's, there's some people have, uh, what is it? There's auditory, there's kinetic, mm-hmm. and, uh, visual. And, and, and dyslexic, I imagine, too. And there's a lot of famous people mm-hmm. who had dyslexia. Richard Branson, Albert Einstein, Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg, Tom Cruise, Whoopi Wolberg, Jennifer Aniston, Muhammad Ali. Of course, he just punched people all the time, so he didn't <laughs> accept it. I don't know. Are my gloves? What's on my gloves? Anyway, I'm just kidding. Pablo Picasso, Anderson Cooper is dyslexic. That must make it challenging to read a teleprompter, but he does an incredible job. Walt Disney was. That explains uh, Minnie Mouse. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Henry Winkler. <laughs> Why am I picking on Minnie Mouse? What the hell? John Lennon? Mm-hmm. I some of the lines in Imagine. No, I'm just kidding. I love that song. It's my favorite song. So lots of famous people. We could go on and on about all the right. great. Whoopi Goldberg. Wasn't mm-hmm. Whoopi Goldberg dyslexic? Yes, that's correct. I've, I've read that as well. Yeah, maybe I just wanted to be dyslexic. I don't know what that means either. So there you go. I'm picking on Oprah today. <laughs> <laughs> in a mean mood. Jesus, Chris. Who are you? <laughs> I don't know. No, I love Oprah. You go on this journey, and how do you how do you start overcoming it? Sounds like you did some things with your father and yeah. ocean and boating and things like that. And well, that parent teacher conference ended with my mother's fist pounding on the table, saying, "I refuse to allow you to condemn my daughter." Wow! So they just both my parents just flat out refused to accept that. Good for them. And. Well, they knew I was an intelligent, capable child. I was, it was obvious. So really the, the, this, my dad was really the leader in this piece of it. He understood as a military veteran, learning outside the classroom and learning through challenge was really the important learning in life. Mm -hmm. And he constantly was teaching us everything he knew referencing the being on the ocean and the boat. I used to have to stand on an upside down bucket so I could reach the steering wheel and see the compass and navigate. (laughs) So he was teaching us these things at a very early age. Nice. And he, he purposely gave us really hard chores to do. And to, he wanted us doing hard things. We were out there stacking wood, you know, turning over the garden, working in the garden, doing tough stuff. And when I would complain as a little girl, I'd look up at him and say, Daddy, that's hard. And he said, it's good for you. Put hair on your chest. (laughs) (laughs) And I put my hand on my little girl lips and say, but Daddy, I'm a girl. And he'd say, it's good for you. Go do it. And that was really the whole context behind him constantly encouraging us and supporting us to do challenging things. There you go. Stretch yourself, develop Stretch. yourself. Yeah. See what you can overcome, mm-hmm. you know, the life lessons of life, you know, exactly. and, and uh, that's the great thing about dads. They teach you those life lessons. They mm-hmm. teach you life isn't fair. 
mom will hug you and be like, yeah, it's, it's okay. She'll give you that nurturing, but dad will kick you in the butt and go, you can do it. Go get it. Exactly. He was always like, my cheerleader. And he used, when I would struggle with tests and classroom work, he'd say, Ellen, you can do it. You can do it. Prove him wrong. Prove him wrong. I know you can do it. I believe <laughs> in you. So that, but that, when you're a little kid, that's huge. Yeah. That's a yeah. game changer. It is a game changer. When, mm-hmm. you know, you, you see most, most of the people are filled with prisons. I think it's like 98% or 97% of the people in prisons grew up without a father. The stats go on and on if you pull them off the thing. And the data is there. This is like U.S. government data. Yes. So having a, a father who teaches, who instructs, who creates that masculine frame, you know, provides that balance that brings a healthy family up. So then you go on in your life. Is there a point where you, you know, you said you got your, I think your bachelor's and your master's. Mm-hmm. Is there a point where you go to college and you, and you try and overcome your dyslexia? Well, as I grew up in the system, I needed less and less support. Mm-hmm. You know, early in our learning, a lot of it is based on rote memory. Mm. You know, a lot of our, you know, elementary school is memorize your spelling words, yep. memorize your times tables. And that doesn't play to my strengths. It plays to my weaknesses. Yeah, you and me. Because so, I can't remember anything, and I, especially if I don't care about it. <laughs> exactly. But that's all rote memory. Yeah. And people who have dyslexic minds are often known for having poor to very little rote memory. Mm. Now, our trade-off is that our long-term memory is extraordinary. Ah. So we actually build a database in our brains mm. all the time. And we can pull from it. It's like an encyclopedia. Mm-hmm. So one, of, one of my college roommates used to call me Ellen the Encyclopedia. <laughs> but to specifically answer your question as i moved through the school system and it became more about problem solving logical thinking and you know really using all different parts of our brain that's when i started to excel Mm -hmm. and when i got to college i was fully mainstreamed at that point and didn't need any support services there you go so there you go and women have larger memory brain centers than men do it's a feature not a bug it's 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 designed that way on purpose and you know between you know what the cavemen what hunter gather nurture all that sort of good stuff so it's been shown in studies you guys remember things faster more accurately in greater detail than men and any husband who's ever had something recalled of what he did wrong in 2009 (laughs) knows that that's true so there you go cites a few studies here online but I know, from what I understand, your guys's, the area of your guys' brain that, that stores memories is larger than ours. So you just, yes. you guys are just, there's, there's a whole lot of stuff to go on there because there's a lot mm-hmm. of things husbands do wrong. The marriage jokes. You go through this process and, uh, and you, you start finding ways to overcome it. Let me ask you this. Have you ever tried those dyslexic glasses, dyslexia glasses that they have now, nowadays? They're supposed to help people? I'm not familiar with those. Are those the ones that are colored? I think so. Okay, that's a very interesting thing. So I actually read a study. My father found a study about that when I was in high school. It was from University of Sydney. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have access to colored glasses, but what I did was I went and got those report covers. Do you remember those things we had in school? The trapper keepers? Yeah, but some of them were clear and Uh some of them were different colors. Oh, really? And I used to take those, the blues and the greens, and I would lay them inside my textbooks. Wow. 
And that and would help, huh? That would help because I couldn't create the colored glasses, but I could put mm -hmm. those, you know, it was, it was kind of like a green cellophane, but tougher. Mm -hmm. And that, that worked, that helped. The other thing I did too, that my mom bought me was a full spectrum light bulbs for my bedroom and where I studied. Mm -hmm. So having that full spectrum really helped. And there is some studies, and you probably know more about this than I do, about the fluorescent lights and the high pit, the high frequency flashing. Yeah. And how that's very bad. So yeah. And guess what they put in most schools? Exactly. <laughs> and what's interesting was that I used to naturally gravitate to sit by the window. Mm -hmm. Because it's a natural light coming in from the window. Uh -huh. Whether it's cloudy or sunny, you're still gonna have more natural light. Mm. So I wonder if there's some I don't know. There's probably somebody who's got a scientific basis on it. You know, we're not designed for a lot of this crap that we put up with. We've had different yeah. scientists on the show that have talked about it. We're not designed to look at 2D screens and each other in 2D. We're not. We're, we're designed to see each other in 3D mm -hmm. and gather information. Do I fight or flight with this person? Do uh, is this person a friend or foe? Is you know what is their body language telling me? And you can read when you're with a person. You know their full body language. You can see their eyes. You can. You, when you shake hands, there's different dopamine and, and different chemicals that go off in your brain. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're just being so isolated like we are and the weird-ass lighting that we have and everything else. You know, it, it all affects us. And then we don't go out in the sun either and get mm -hmm. natural vitamin D and do the things that we used to. So lots of interesting things there. So you, you said uh, even, even after COVID when you started writing this, there were more stories you need to tell. What, have we missed anything that we should tease out that's in the book? Sure. So, you know, I, I escaped from my ex-husband and he was a narcissist and I literally had to plan and execute an escape. Wow. And I was married for six years and it was six years of narcissistic abuse. Wow. And I came out of that and I was completely traumatized. Hmm. I was so traumatized. I was driving through red lights and stop signs. Wow. I could yeah. barely function. And I knew I was in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I immediately sought help. My parents actually took me in because mm -hmm. I had no place else to go. And I got to work. I got to work with therapists and coaches. And I instinctively knew that I had to face whatever caused me to get into that marriage. Because if I didn't face it and solve it and heal whatever needed to be healed... I was going to end up back in that situation. Yeah. Well, um, you were smart because a lot of people just go from, they're just like, they just keep doing the same thing, same relationship over and over again. I was desperate. Yeah. You know, I, I looked at, I was lucky to survive the first time and I wasn't going to take a chance again. So I was willing to go wherever I needed to go to heal. Mm -hmm. And what I learned in that process, and I got to a total surrender point where I just looked up at the sky and said, I'm all yours. Hmm. I don't know what else to do. I need help. And that's when things started to get better. I'm not a religious person. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm Episcopalian, so that's about as mainstream vanilla as you can get. But that's when things got started to get better, right from that oh, surrender point. Interesting. Did you find what the source was of why you were choosing yeah. bad men? It was low self-esteem, low oh. self-worth, and it mm -hmm. all came from that dyslexic label. Ah, so you, you felt like you were wounded or 
impaired by it and your value is maybe lowered because you had dyslexia and you know what the teachers had told you when you were young? I was consistently given the message on a daily basis that I was not worthy, Mm -hmm. I was not capable, I was not going to contribute to society, and I was going to be a failure as far as they were concerned. Wow. And this is in spite of your father, huh? Well, that was the battle that was going on. Mm -hmm. So my dad taught me how to fight back, and he did everything he could to, and my mom, they Mm -hmm. did everything they could to support me, but they were up against an entire education system. Hmm. And that's pretty tough to fight against. But what they did give me was the foundation to not just fight back, but when I was finally able to shed that identity, because that was imposed on me, and that's not an authentic identity. Mm -hmm. They gave me the foundation to really push that off and begin to heal from that. Mm -hmm. And that's when I left my ex and started to work on that healing process. There you go. That's interesting to me because normally I see that with single moms and daughters who don't grow up without a father in the home. And so what they'll do is they, they try and replace the father and they make bad choices, largely because the father's not in the home to guide the daughter who makes emotional decisions to pick the best men. And, of course, he vets them. And so usually you don't find that, which is kind of interesting, but I I can see how you were wounded with that Mm -hmm. and you you felt, you know, your value was lowered and that way they accept it. But yeah, that's interesting. And normally in the other case, people will make bad decisions of men because they don't have guidance and then, because that's what men do. And, uh, you know, we know other men and, uh, and, but normally they're looking for a father replacement if they don't have one in the home. And Mm -hmm. so they'll choose bad men. They'll choose any man. They can get a hold of it's basically father replacement grabbing, mm-hmm. if you will. But they're very interesting. So you you go through psychology, you go through the you do the work as we like to call it in dating. You you do your pair and you you've come out the other side and 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 you decide to write a book and tell the story of your journey. Yes. There you go. There you go. What are some of the other lessons we haven't talked in the book about healing after trauma, et cetera, et cetera? It's healing and dealing with trauma is absolutely mission critical to moving forward. Mm-hmm. You will not be able to move forward and you'll end up falling back and those wounds will just fester and get worse. Mm-hmm. And when I did years of healing work, I also did some training with retired Navy SEALs. Mm. Commander Mark Devine who's written about five New York Times bestsellers, has actually a program for civilians. Oh, wow. And I started training with him in 2016 and his coaches and his staff. And what I got from that was not only to continue the healing process, but there was an opportunity for me to learn to thrive. Really? Wow. Yes. What, what, what do you think was the proponents of that? What were you thinking were the keys that kind of unlock that for you? Well, Mark's program is pretty specific. Mm-hmm. Um, he has what's called the five mountain program where you're always working on the different parts of yourself. Hmm. And those are the physical mountain, the mental mountain, the emotional, the intuitional, and then the term is Kokoro that he uses. Ah. I don't know if you're familiar with the term, but Kokoro is the Japanese word for merging of the heart and the mind. Hmm. So that's the spiritual piece of it. And that can be whatever that means to an individual. Hmm. 
I'm still trying to overcome the Taco Bell buffet mountain. The which mountain? The Taco Bell, the Taco Bell buffet mountain. Okay. <laughs> we do the jokes on the show. I've been using that joke a lot lately. The Taco Bell buffet because it just sounds so awful. But there is, I don't think there's a Taco Bell buffet. I think it's outlawed in most countries. But so you you find this journey, you find an applicable thing. I think it's great that instead of hopping and monkey branching from relationship to relationship, mm-hmm. you know, doing the same thing over and over again, you know, you, you came out and you said, hey, I need some help. I need to fix myself. I don't want to keep doing this again. And, you know, what's the old what's the old thing about madness? The, if you do the same thing over and over again, expect a different result. It could be you. Right. So there you go. So you've written the book. You've you've uh, trying to share your story to encourage other people to do things. Uh, how how does how, do you, you have children? I guess. Oh no, I did not have children in my marriage. So there you go. And so you talk to other people who have dyslexia that deal with it and and try and inspire them, motivate them with the book. Yes, and that's one of the things that I'm passionate about. There are two mm-hmm. categories. Obviously, one of them is people who are dyslexic and or parents of children who are dyslexic. Mm-hmm. You know, there's still this stigma that goes along with it that it's an intellectual disability mm-hmm. in, in a lot of our society. And that could be so, that's so far from the truth. Mm. And, you know, I think the, my, my message to parents and children and even adults who have grown up with that label like I did, mm-hmm. to understand they're not broken. Mm-hmm. They're not broken. They are, in fact, are far from it. In fact, they have skills that what we call normies don't necessarily have. (laughs) Damn normies. Damn normies. (laughs) And then the other group that I'm really passionate about is helping women who have been abused, Mm -hmm. um, obviously. And then, you know, and really kind of unmasking the narcissistic personalities. Mm Mm-hmm. And what happens to somebody in a marriage and how subtle, but yet how detrimental that can be. And one of the things that's really surprised me is as I've told my story publicly, the people who pull me aside and talk to me privately, and it is astonishing. It's probably 65 to 70% of the women who I know Hmm. at one point not necessarily now, but at one point in their life, suffered either physical or emotional abuse from an intimate partner. Oh, wow. And then the other thing that's really surprised me is I've been talking with a lot of men. And the narcissistic abuse that happens to men is much more common than anybody realizes. And I'm shocked by it. And the conversations that I'm having, Mm -hmm. it feels like it's identical to -hmm. what I experience. But it's, you know, it's obviously a man in the marriage, in the, in the relationship. Yeah, social media has really done that. I think they've, they've shown that women's narcissism has really risen with social media. Social media has just been the most evil thing for all of humanity at this point. Because it, it, when you really think about it, it is narcissistic. I mean, mm-hmm. you're posting pictures of yourself and you think people care about, I don't know, the food you're eating and, you know, your thoughts and opinions. I mean, and most of the people that I know, I, I have a lot of friends on Facebook. I've curated my friendship pretty well but you know if you go on like twitter or something you're just like there's a lot of 
you, you guys are smoking a lot of something around here. I don't know what's going on. What the fuck is going on? In fact, I think that's with the brand now on, on X or whatever it is this week. I think it's bankruptcy next week is what they're changing the name to. It was down for like 24 hours the other day. Globally. Yeah. So I don't know. I'll buy it for $5 and clean it up, but that's about it. That's I think that's top dollar. Even the people who financed Elon Musk buying X won't buy the won't buy any more bonds or anything on it. They're <laughs> refusing to do so. It's that bad. <laughs> it's that bad. And they've had to write down like half their investment, I think. Yeah, social media has just been really bad. And you're seeing a lot of that, mm-hmm. you know, a, a lot of manipulation, a lot of narcissistic behavior. You know, I think there's a, I think there's an important distinction we need to make is the difference between narcissistic sort of behavior as opposed to full blown diagnosed narcissist. Because I think technically, what is it, five percent of the U.S. is diagnosable narcissistic tendencies, or not tendencies, but narcissistic. In fact, but I think there's tendencies people have, mm-hmm. and certainly social media has brought a lot of out of it, out of it, and manipulative of it. And it's a, it's an interesting world we live in. You know, welcome. If you go on TikTok and you ask any see anything narcissistic for a video, you're gonna have fifty trillion billion videos about it. It's pretty funny over there. It is. It gets a little wacky. Yeah, that whole platform is wacky i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure it's a, a trojan horse from china at this point to uh, bring the downfall of america which we were already on so, you know that and i think uh, i think uh, who can i throw a joke in as a band or someone funny uh, i don't have anything I'm trying to think of it trying to think i was gonna say cheap trick and pick on cheap trick i don't know why i love cheap trip but maybe devo devo is the band because they started the de-evolution because that's what devo stands for de-evolution uh, i didn't know that yeah, yeah so yeah, that's yeah. That's what started right there. It was the red. It was the red hats. I don't know what that means. People on the Gen Z are going, "What is he talking about? <laughs> the fuck? They're not old enough." <laughs> yeah, check your check your elevator. She'll find it. So there you go. Uh, it's in the music. What are you doing uh, on your website? You have your website. Tell us about the services you offer there. Any coaching you do? Any courses you do? speaking, engagements, mm-hmm. events, all that sort of good stuff. So I'm always looking for opportunities to speak, whether they be you know, women's groups or education groups or teachers in particular. I really want to share my story with teachers so they understand the psychological impact that the labels have Mm -hmm. on children. Mm -hmm. You know, I had to struggle and figure out a way to fit into a classroom that wasn't designed for me. Mm -hmm. And I was six years old. That's not really my job. And I want people to understand that. And the dyslexic label and the inferences and the bias that came with that almost destroyed my life. Yeah. I mean, it devalued me and hurt my self-esteem and self-worth so much, it made me vulnerable to the predators. Mm. And that's how I ended up in that marriage Mm -hmm. and telling that story, telling that personal story. And I've heard you talk about this on some of your other podcasts. The power of telling your story Mm -hmm. is a great way to convey that information. The owner's manual of life. Yes. And I mean, even the Bible's full of, Mm -hmm. you know, stories. That's how information, and historically that's how information has been conveyed through stories. Stories, movies, TV, 
all the things we consume, you know, uh, media, reading books, we're all, we're all reading stories. Like I woke up at 50 and I'm like, holy shit, everything I do is stories. Like, it's all stories, all, all, all life, you know, history is stories. You go to the movies, you know, you watch TV, you know, it's all about collecting stories and living stories and learning from them. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I didn't get my owner's manual. It got lost in the mail. And I think it did for most people, evidently, because it was the U.S. Postal Service. <laughs> I think you've created your own. That's, that's, that's kind of what I, yeah, I've just made up most of it, really. <laughs> <laughs> but you can. That's the beauty of life. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. we just had actually somebody on the show recently who wrote a book about uh, about recreating or redesigning your stories mm-hmm. and how, you know, you can look at something where you're a victim in a case like, you know, you initially were. It's the author uh, Karina Kilcon was recently on the show last, last week, Rise Above the Story. I don't think it's published yet. I think it might be on hold till January. But, you know, she basically talks about how, you know, if some you, you can you can choose multiple stories. So if someone tells you you're dyslexic and you're not going to go anywhere, you can adopt and go, that's my story. Okay, I'm not going anywhere. Right. Or you can choose a different story of where I'm resilient and I'm going to do stuff in life. And that's what you that's what you did. You fought yes. back against, you know, this 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 thing where people have tried to push this this story onto you and you went, mm-hmm. No, I don't I don't think I want to do that story. So exactly. there Exactly. Mm-hmm. And and I had the support of amazing parents. You know, that's what really made the difference for me. Mm-hmm. And not everybody has that. And that's another reason why I'm telling the story is because I got lucky. Mm-hmm. My parents, especially my, my father and I were super close and he was an amazing man. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he passed away, there was no room. There, were, there was standing room only in the church. Wow. And that says it all. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, you know, it's important. And this is also my hero's journey. You know, the last piece of the hero's journey is to bring it full circle, is to bring what you learned back to your tribe and share it. And I feel a tremendous amount of responsibility to do that. There you go. And now you're on that path. You've got your book out there Mm -hmm. telling your story, sharing your story, and improving lives. And that's what we do with stories. So give us your uh, dot-coms as we go out. Tell people how they can onboard with you, link up with you, uh, reach out to you, find if you're a good fit to work together, et cetera, et cetera. Sure, sure. To answer your question fully, always looking for speaking, workshops. I'm also coaching people as well. So I can, my website again is ellenbush.com. Don't forget the C. And I'm on LinkedIn, Ellen Bush. I'm easy to find with red hair. (laughs) And um, I'm on Facebook under Ellen Bush. And then Instagram is ebush or Ellen Bush 1500. So, yeah. There you go. Well, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your story. We really appreciate it, Ellen. Thank you. It's been such a pleasure to be here and, and to talk with you. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, order up where refined books are sold. Disempowered, how I turned an academic death sentence into my life's greatest adventure. I flunked most of school, so I did the same thing. Her book's available May 13th, 2023, in order of where refined books are sold. Go to goodreads.com, fortunechrisfoss, linkedin.com, fortunechrisfoss, the big LinkedIn newsletter. Subscribe to that and the LinkedIn 130,000 group as well. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time.